Welcome in everybody to a Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. Fresh off a long draft stint this weekend. So excited to be with you to break it all down. We've got plenty from the 2018 NFL Draft. Now, there are, I don't say rumors, but there have been a lot of stories out there about undrafted free agents. A lot of people have been asking me, hey, when when we hear about the undrafted free agents, when's that going to come out? The I think we're going to wait for the official announcement. Players have got to come in and take physicals and all that. That's when the team will officially report the undrafted signings. So we may talk about guys that we have seen on social media. I guess that's the way people are announcing them now. Some universities are announcing where their players are going. Have we seen K.J. Malone, the son of Carl Malone, offensive tackle at LSU? He has – I've seen numerous places where he has signed with the Texans. I will give you a, a bit of caution in some sense. There were a couple of people that I wrote about last year. I remember writing about them in the lead-up from draft day to the time the rookie showed up. I was excited about a safety. I think he was at UCF maybe. And then he wasn't here. Well, where did he go? Did he fail a physical? So, anyhow, there'll be some names. One in particular that I know was the talk of the draft Twitter world, Vincent Smith, on a limestone yeah, limestone. He worked out at South Carolina Pro Day, and after he blazed the track, he's wide receiver, Bill, there was a picture of him talking to Bill Belichick, and that sent draft Twitter into a frenzy. They went crazy. And then all of a sudden, Smith started getting said the NFL in a frenzy, too. He went on visits everywhere. Didn't get drafted, but it does appear he has signed with the Houston Texans. Now, all those undrafted, like I said, it'll be. It appears he is signed. He allegedly is signed. He apparently is signed. Nothing will become official until the the rookies do show up for mini camp, which is not going to be this week. It's going to be next week. So that'll come the official word from the Texans. But we do know that eight individuals have been drafted by the Texans in 2018, and we'll spend some time talking about those. Drew Doherty is going to join me in the next segment to talk about the thoughts, starting with Justin Reed, finishing with Jermaine Kelly Jr. So we'll talk about all those players, which ones we liked, which ones we think can make an immediate impact. I, just 30 seconds quickly before we get to GM Brian Gain, I felt good about this draft. And you never know what's going to happen at 68. But I actually felt okay about it. Because I always feel like there's going to be a couple of players that you feel like teams are going to, they're going to reach for. And that just pushes another couple of good players down. And then they do it again. And all of a sudden, you've got maybe seven, eight good players sitting there staring you in the face at 68. And, of course, the Texans then ended up taking Justin Reed. I thought they did a whale of a job satisfying needs, but also doing it in a way that they were looking to do. Longer, stronger, faster. I think they were able to do that at at every position in the draft that they looked at. I mean, Duke Edgefor, you watch him. He's got arms for days. A six-rounder. A guy that probably would have gone late, uh, as late or as early as the fourth round, maybe the third round. I had a fourth-round grade on him. I thought he was going to be a re- – I thought he was going to be way gone. I thought after that uh, Kiki QT pick, I thought there's no chance the Texans would get him. I saw his name pop up on the board. I was shocked. And he's an A-Leaf Taylor homeboy. So good to keep the the local flavor here. We got – and I like the, the – uh, I like the symmetry to it. Two players from Stanford. Justin Reed, Peter Kumbay, two players from the state of Texas, Kiki QT, Duke Edgefor, two players from Mississippi State, Jordan Thomas, the tight end, and Martinez Rankin, the offensive lineman, tackle slash center slash guard, however you want to you put it. I love symmetry to a draft, and this draft 
had a little bit of that. Guys are coming to this locker room. They know players. Obviously, Justin Reed and uh, Peter Calabayi, they played with Brent Scarlett a couple of years ago. Uh, they all know Johnson Batamosi. He's a little bit earlier, but they know him. So they're going to be players that they know when they walk in this locker room. And I think that's going to help. Jordan Thomas and Martinez Rankin, uh, they know Bernardrick McKinney a little bit. So I, that all of that helps a little bit. So we'll talk about that a little bit more with Drew. We're going to catch up with head coach Bill O'Brien, who we talked to Saturday after the draft. So that'll be our final segment if you want to stick around and hear what the head coach had to say. He joined us live on the draft show, which hopefully you were able to catch on Sports Radio 610. We had you covered each day Thursday. Andre came in here, and that was fun. Andre Ware, myself, Mark Vandermeer handled the first night of the draft. Friday night we had our draft party. Mike Meltzer joined Mark and myself. And on Saturday I did it with Sean in the morning. And then in the afternoon, I did it with Mark Vandermeer and Paul Gallant. Had a great time with all the guys from Sports Radio 610. And, of course, Dre coming over here doing his first draft show. That was a blast. And it was awesome to see Dre. He, he was sitting in the middle of us, and at some point he kind of nudged me and showed me his phone. And he was texting with Lamar Jackson, just telling him, stay strong, man. Hang in there. It'll be okay. And Lamar texted him back. They got a pretty good relationship. Uh, so I was glad to see Lamar going to the first round. We're both big fans of his Obviously, because Dre has that Heisman Trophy connection. That's the way they've known each other. Uh, me, I just think he can I can play. And I think Baltimore Ravens got a really nice pick there in Ozzie Newsom's last draft. Which, by the way, not to prop up anybody else, but Baltimore Ravens have video of Ozzie making a call and making his last pick. And phew, he got a little dusty in the room, I will admit. That was a pretty cool video. There's no question about that. Speaking of videos, we got all kinds of stuff for you up on HoustonTexans.com. We had our draft special last night so there will be snippets coming out of that that will be on our website also uh at houston texans i'm sure it's on instagram i'm sure it's on snapchat and all that other stuff i just i'm I'm on twitter so uh you can go check out some stuff that drew and i filmed right after the draft on saturday that our guys spent all night putting together and got it up there for our draft draft special on sunday all right let's talk to or let's hear from The Houston, Texas GM in his first draft, sitting in the big chair. Now, he's been in plenty of drafts, but he was asked right off the bat, what was it like your first draft as general manager? Exciting. Uh, We call it a partnership with Coach O'Brien. Great process as as it relates to what we put in place with the scouts and the unification with the coaches as well as the medical. Everybody coming together, working together hand-in-hand to – achieve the best results. But I would describe it as a great team effort, John. On day three of the draft, the Texans were drafting three picks in, and they chose Kiki QT, wide receiver, Texas Tech. Inside guy, returner, lightning quick. Don't blink, you'll miss him. Naturally, Wes is a graduate of uh, Texas Tech and played football there, but he and both John Perry uh, spent a lot of time evaluating Kiki QT. Um, as well as uh, Coach Seeley for special teams. So you've heard me say it before. We wanted to make a conscious effort of adding speed, athleticism, explosiveness uh, to both the offense and defense, height, weight, speed, as many times as we could. We feel like he poses and adds a a complementary dimension to our offense because he can be an inside receiver who has explosiveness. The other part of that that uh, we feel confident about is the addition of Jordan Aikens paired with Kiki Kuti that we feel from a nickel offense standpoint, uh, having a pass-catch tight end, uh, upgrading the offense in that regard, and then doing that with another slot receiver who we think has a chance to be a returner. 
that we've upgraded what I would call like the inside passing game. Yeah, that's where the NFL has gotten to. It's segmented inside, outside. You know, it's no longer just corners and safeties. It's cor- it's outside corners, inside corners, safeties. Tight ends are no longer really tight ends. And receivers aren't just receivers. I mean, Dander Hopkins and Kiki QT are going into the same meeting room. They don't look anything alike. One's outside, one's inside. But as Brian said there, and something that I reiterated a number of times over draft weekend, Kiki's a little different because – he has such good speed down a field, but he has great ball skills. His hands are great, so he can go up and snatch the ball out of the air. That makes it that much more important to a guy going deep. you got to be able to jump up and snatch it. That's not coming in your hands, but judging it, going up and getting it, that's something he did very, very well at Texas Tech. Let's talk about the tight ends here. Jordan Aiken's taken with that last third-round pick, and you heard Brian refer to him in talking about uh, Kiki QT with the inside receiving game. Let's hear what Brian had to say about Jordan Aikens, the tight end out of UCF. Unique skill set, you know, 6'3 and change, 245, 250 pounds, 4'6", 40 guy. He's a good athlete. Like Jordan strikes me as the, as the type of player that if you put a ball in his hand, he'd be good at it. Baseball, basketball, football, tennis, whatever it might be. Um, but we like his upside as it relates to the passing game. But, you know, we also want to develop him in the run game, too. And we need him to do that as well. So I think it's the athletic upside and the ceiling. We feel like the ceiling can be pretty high if he hits on all cylinders. The interesting aspect about the tight ends is that Jordan Aikens, listed as a tight end, plays a little bit more like a wide receiver. Jordan Thomas from Mississippi State, who looks more like a true tight end, actually played wide receiver at Mississippi State. You follow that? Well, let's hear what Brian Gain had to say about Mississippi State's Jordan Thomas. He's an interesting developmental prospect, number one, for the body type. You know, he's a large man. He's a big man. He's long. He has ball skills. He's had receiving production. Uh, It's a projection for us to tight end. But in the time spent with Jordan through the offseason, through uh, the workouts, through the combine, we were confident that he could make the the projection to tight end, number one, because of the body type. But number two, the want to, John. I think it's hard to move to that position if if you're not interested in blocking. Um, the want to. He wants to develop. He wants to learn. He wants to grow in the running game. We're, we're fairly confident he can offer something in the passing game too, but he wants to improve in that other area as well. Each and every year that Mark and I do our draft shows, we always talk about who wins the interview? Who's the best interview? Of course, that means really nothing, but to us, we're on the radio. We need good content. We need players that provide good content. Well, the Texans' seventh-round pick, Jermaine Kelly, he was our pick. As the interview of the weekend, he was so excited. He even gave out his Instagram handle, and Brian talked about what to expect from the corner from San Jose State. Jermaine Kelly's from San Jose State, uh, roughly about six foot one, 200, 205 pounds, ran 4'4", four, four-core uh, four special teams player, developmental corner, corner outside corner, uh, great kid. We brought him here on a 30 visit, good personal character, good football character, developmental corner who has an opportunity here to win a job on special teams. There's no question, when you get taken in the seventh round, that's how you're going to find your way onto this roster. How you increase your playing time is to get on special teams and do it well. Now, the corner position, we've seen some additions. We've seen Aaron Colvin added uh, to that position in the offseason. One guy who's going to be sticking around for a while is Kevin Johnson. It's being reported by plenty of people today that the Texans have exercised the fifth-year option on Kevin Johnson. We have mentioned this a few times that Kevin becomes an extremely important player. If he bounces back for this defense, this defense, I think, can go to a different, a different level than even it was in 16 or 15. I think when he is healthy and he is on the field, he is he's as quick as anybody I've seen. He 
you just got to stay healthy. I know the organization likes him, and this obviously is a sign that they do. They will exercise that fifth-year option and keep him around. I wouldn't be surprised, me speaking here, that an extension would be coming, sort of like what happened with Whitney Merciless a few years ago. They sort of, the right way of saying this, they got Witt at a good price, and now Witt has definitely outperformed that contract, and hopefully Kevin will get to that point as well. Kevin turns it around from 2017 and has a great year in 2018. His defense will be at a whole different level. Trust me on that. Coming up next, Drew Doherty is going to stop by. We did a draft special. You saw that on TV on Sunday. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about these draft picks. We'll talk about the future of the organization and snake massages next right here on Texans All Access. Welcome back to Monday edition of Texas All Access. The day, actually it's two days after, but the weekend came and went, and it went pretty quickly, actually. The 2018 NFL Draft in the books. Eight picks made. We heard from Brian Gain, and I kind of opined out what Brian had to say after his first draft as NFL GM, as the GM of the Texans. Welcome back. I'm your host, John Harris. Joining me right now, you saw him on the draft special leading me in that direction, I believe he went and got a snake massage after huh. Drew Doherty. Drew, what's going on, buddy? No snake massage, no regular massage. Uh, did not do any of that, but I'm good. I'm good. Glad, glad you're here, man. Thanks. Good to be here. I had fun with you on the on the draft special. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was good times. It was good. Yeah, man. We had a chance to break down uh, kind of everything. We had a chance to hear what Brian had to say in the first segment. I don't want you to obviously play favorites in this draft, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you. Who are your favorites? Who's your favorite <laughs> pick? What was the one pick where you went, oh, uh, I like this. Tie, Which guy was that? Tie for Kiki QT mm-hmm. and for Justin Reed. You yeah. know, I think with Justin Reed, I think with both these guys, you, you, I think for sure you got a starter out of Reed, and you probably got a starter out of QT. I think he can start inside. When you're lined up in those formations. If it's right. just two receivers, probably not. But I think he, he's exciting. And then I've got the connection to Texas Tech. I've been working yep. out in Lubbock for four years, and so – know some people back there and they rave about qt yep. you know welker liked qt of course had some good stories about him so I- i'm excited to see what he can do if, if Wes welker is excited about a, <laughs> an inside receiver yeah then okay but i'll yeah. take his i'll take his word for it here's the thing that i in studying qt the thing that i loved and i, I think i watched man i watched a couple of games in full you and i watched his the university of houston game Mm-hmm. on the flight. I can't remember where we were going. I think we were going to New England. And we were watching that game, and QT was making plays. Yeah. And the thing about Kiki was he changed numbers every year. One year he was 82, then he was 20, and then he was 2. So trying to, like, all right, who's number 2? Like, who is this? He's got to make a play. And to get loose. I'm like, oh, okay. He'd been there the whole time. He just he kept changing numbers. But the one thing that a lot of times you don't always see a slot receiver do, but I think it's becoming – it's really becoming in vogue in the college game, and I think it's filtering up, and I think we've seen it We've seen it some in the NFL game, is when that number two receiver, and I'm not saying him being number two, but you always number your receivers from outside in. And so the outside guy's number one. That's your – you always – hey, he's – when you say he's the number one wide receiver, you know, a lot of times we're referring to, yeah, he's the lead receiver. But when you say yeah. the number one wide receiver, you're talking about the furthest guy out wide. The number two receiver is in the second guy in. A lot of times Kiki would be in that position. Sometimes he'd be in the three position. And Kiki would take – that guy deep. But the problem with a lot of slot receivers is they're in there because they're quick, yeah. fast, change of directions really Hey, good. run a slant. Right. Go over the middle. Right. Shallow cross. But that's not him. I mean, he's he, he can do more than that. He can do way more than that. And the deep ball is such a big thing. But he tracks the ball so well, and he catches the ball down the field well. His hands are excellent. Mm-hmm. 
He catches the ball away from his body, snatches the ball out of the air, which I love. A lot of a lot of slot guys don't. They let the ball get into their body, and that will curtail their opportunity to run after the catch. Kiki's the other way. He catches with his hands, and he's gone. And returns, man. Absolutely. You, 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 yes. you got to get better on returns. Will Fuller, when he returned last year, was good. Right. But it seemed like 70% of, the, of his returns got wiped out by somebody else right. with a penalty. I mean, he if you go back and watch him – he was very, very solid, especially yeah, he in was. the Seattle game. He was. But they all got negated by dumb penalties away from the ball. So that's something that, you know, Fuller now can do it. For a lot of things. QT can do it. Yeah. Tyler Irvin's coming back. He might be there as well. He right. was Tyler Irvin was very solid as a rookie. He, had a, he bobbled a few, but right. when he returned the ball, he was good. Yeah. The thing about Will back there as Parmy Turner, there are a lot of things that Will does on the football field. He makes it look effortless. Mm-hmm. Re- Parmy returning is not one of them. Punt returning, he's actually had to work on because you can see him. A lot of great, like Devin Hester. I mean, I know Devin's the greatest of all time. But the thing about Devin that made him great was he could get going and kind of set you up a little bit. And then when it was time to go, there was always this north-south sort of way with Devin Hester. Yeah. Like, Will will get going. He'll stop. He'll cut back the other way. He'll stop. He'll cut. And then when it's time to go, by that point, he's kind of lost his momentum and he's got to build up. If he... Like, the one, the best return he ever had was against Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And it was great. It was so well blocked. But Will caught it and just just gone. Yeah. And that's the one thing I think as a punt returner, having those instincts to know when are you setting somebody up and then when you got to hit the gas. Mm-hmm. But you got to do it consistently going going forward. Will, I think, has turned into a good punt returner. But I think QT could end up being special back there, just the way that he's able to make people miss. And when he catches the ball, he starts running. He's... He's an angry runner. Like he does not. He gets pissed off when you try and tackle yeah, him, yeah. which I, which I absolutely, I absolutely love. So, I came out of there with those with those eight picks, Drew. And I, somebody asked me this question, and I, I think I posed it to you, and maybe even Mark as well. The 2018 NFL Draft will be a success if, and I remember saying they get they get one starter to come out of there to play six, to start 16 games, a guy you can just pencil in every week. You rely on him, you trust him. No matter what position, he comes in and plays a key a key role. After Friday night, I felt like, man, they may have gotten a couple of guys that mm-hmm. are going to be significant factors. Then after they drafted QT, I felt like, man, Kiki's going to be into this thing. Mm-hmm. And then when they got into the sixth round, I see a guy like Duke Edgefor, and I think, man, that guy I had in the fourth round. I had him just outside the Harris 100. He was like 103 or 104, like yeah. just outside of it. Productive guy. Too. Yeah, very much so. And A-Leaf kid, too. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, a leaf represent yo, and I, apparently I didn't give credit to my buddy David Nuno. I was gonna, I was about to say David. Yeah, Nuno. David, David, pride David, of a leaf, right? Yeah, he is the pride of a leaf. I live on the other side of Westheimer, just barely. So I am, I am almost a leaf, like but, a suburb of a leaf. Yeah, yeah, I'm almost, but I'm, I'm always Richard, Richard Rosenberg represent. So <laughs> that's always mine. That's all. That's always me. I'm but, Spring Branch right here. Yeah, uh, yeah. You went to school with a bunch of rich kids, so just you know. I went to, I mean, K through eight. I was. <laughs> Anyways. I know, I've just busted yeah. your chops. Anyhow, I felt like all the way through this draft, there was something. Every each player they drafted, I went, boy, I could see that guy doing something right away. Boy, I could see that guy being involved in you this You got to get right guys away. like that when you don't have a first or a second. Yeah. And that's that's what they did. You, you go for something that, it's like you're saying, there's a very a specific skill set, yep. one specific skill set that they're at least above average, if not great at and I think you could you can make that case on each of these guys Justin Reed the first of the Texans pick mm-hmm. 
brother played in the league, has played in the league, Eric Reed. Eric Reed played with Tyron Matthews, so there was that connection there. Yeah. When I had looked over on Mike Meltzer's screen, he pointed out who the Texans were planning on taking because that leaked out a little bit earlier that they were taking Justin Reed. I went, woo. He's still on the board? That was my first thought. Yeah, yeah. He's still on the board? I mean, I had been watching each pick, but just – putting it all together going, wait a second, he hasn't come off the board. I had him number 55 in my Harris 100. Mm-hmm. And you get a guy that can do a lot of different things for you in the secondary. Were you surprised that they went secondary? Not a true corner, more an inside corner slash safety. And a lot of people have tried to just say safety. But I've tried to cut that off and say, look, he's he's 50-50 inside corner safety. That was his kind of play breakdown yeah. at Stanford. Were you a little surprised that they went with Justin Reed, or do you feel like that was best available player that does still fit he, a need for this team? I think no, I was not surprised because he's he was so good and so highly touted that for him to be there was a bit surprising, I think, for some people. But I think it's a good. I know you're talking about how he's not a pure safety, and you got to kind of classify him. But still, think about it in this franchise's history. What's the highest safety the Texans have ever taken? DJ Swearinger in the second round. Yeah. Okay. He didn't work out, and they they made an emphasis on getting better there, they thought, when they tried to get Ed Reed. Right. And it that backfired. Right. And in the process, the best safety he ever really had probably was Glover Quinn. Quinn. You let him walk away. Glover's got about 25 career interceptions right now. The franchise leader in interception, co-leaders are at 13 apiece, J. Joe and Kareem Jackson. Right. So you saw what happened. So I, th- I think getting a safety – slash inside corner, right. and putting an emphasis there is pretty important because you did it with Tyron Matthew, and you had a guy who started for you quite a bit and Andre Howe. Yep. So you're just raising that level of competition. And Andre was a corner. you got to remember that. Yeah. He was drafted out of Vandy Absolutely. as a corner. So he's a converted safety. I, I just – I like it. You know, let's let's get that back end a lot better because I think you could probably say – it was below average the last few years, and now I think you're you're looking at an above average back end with these additions that, they, that we've seen. Yeah, to that end, and I know you you'd say this as long as everybody stays healthy back there. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was something that in the secondary last year, seemingly people did for the most part. But I know they got JJ ex- was banged up, and, and they, they got exposed too by lack of a pass rush. Sure. I mean, it was clowny and absolutely not much else. Yeah, so you got to always put that back into consideration too you know it's funny you talk about uh you mentioned glover quinn and you brought him up glover started his career as a corner as well Mm -hmm. but i remember watching him when he was at new mexico i remember thinking he's a safety he would be exactly now a little bit shorter but maybe a little bit more stout yeah than justin reed justin's longer more angular than than glover glover a little shorter a little squattier but glover was is essentially justin reed Mm -hmm. but back then, we didn't really talk too much about the inside well, it corner. Took him like two it, was years. There. it took him two years. He was a corner for his first two years, right, nine right. and ten. And then it, became, it, it took Wade Phillips getting here to move him over to safety. Right, and that was that was the best move that could ever happen to mm-hmm. Glover and probably should happen earlier. But he back then, you didn't play an inside corner nearly as much as you're playing right. one now. So he just moved out to corner and then, then struggled, and it was going to yeah. be a struggle. But then when he moved into safety, it was like, oh. This fits. This fits pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, these rookies are going to end up having some ups and downs at certain points. Some news came out today, Drew. I don't know that I mentioned this in the first segment. Alfred Blue coming back to the team. Now that has not been made official, but we've seen numerous reports on Monday morning that Alfred Blue signing a one-year contract to come back to the Texans. 
I actually thought that might be the case. Uh-huh. But I think there are a couple things I, I look at that. Number one, Alfred played on all special teams. Secondly, there were times last year where Alfred was the best running back you had. Just ran his guts out at certain points. And the other one is in bringing Alfred in, in not in bringing Alfred Blue back, they didn't draft or sign a running back. I think they signed one as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, they, that official list we won't know. Well, we won't be able to discuss it until later in the week. Guys sure. pass physicals, all that. But they didn't draft a running back. Right. I think that I kind of was – I know some people were, what are they doing not drafting a running back? My first thought was, well, maybe Deontay Foreman's further along in his rehab than everybody thinks. And you still have Tyler Irvin, who right. he was moved around, no, but right. he's still a running back Absolutely. as well. So. Absolutely. So you have Foreman, you have Miller, you have Irvin, you bring Blue back. Obviously, the one change in the room is Danny Barrett, <laughs> the running right, back's coach. Right, right. Uh, bringing in, who I love, by the way. He came into an interview with me right after the Senior Bowl, and it was fun to talk to him. Uh, he's from the same hometown as Lamar Jackson. So that said, the running back room with Alfred Blue added to the mix uh, on a one-year contract. And look, I said this, and this is one thing we say every year, but it feels like this year it's becoming even more important to say that. There's no guarantee that just because Alfred's back that he ends up making the roster. I mean, there are people right. that thought the last couple of years he wasn't going to make it. They bring him back. They have a certain purpose in mind. But if it doesn't fit, maybe if an undrafted rookie steps up, sure. they don't expect, away you go. Yeah. Maybe there's some other positions that – uh, things are a little bit stronger at other positions, and they just have to have certain guys. Tyler Irvin is back to 100%, and he's back to the role that we think he's going to fill. Maybe he doesn't make it. So, you know, I know people in the hand-wringing, what are you doing? That all, well, it's, I just, you got you you, you to calm down, Remember relax. your, your expectations. This is, this is a depth move. This is not, right. hey, Alfred's the, the first running back on the roster. I mean, he's – no higher than third, really. And right. it's, it's more about special teams with Alfred. I mean, it, he's been one of the kind of solid contributors over the, the last few years when the, the Texans have been down on special teams, I would yeah. say. And, but he's kind of been one of the better performers there. It's more about that, I think, than anything yeah. that's that's keeping him around. It's like you said. I think it's a very cogent point. There's going to be some competition at that spot this yep. year. I think and, it's going comp- to be a competition in a lot of spots that – Yeah. Maybe I think the secondary is going to be a well of competition. Mm-hmm. I think training camp, trying to figure out what the starting five is going to be on the offensive line. Yep. Uh, I think running back reps. I think we know the guys that that are going to be in the mix to get the football. But how how is the rep mix you just, coming out? You just slid in the offensive line. I I see that right now as a big old soup. I mean, I don't know that. Can you really for sure? No, not at this point. Say now this so guy many, is going to start no. at this spot. I mean, probably Nick Martin at center, but, but I could see I could see a move to guard. You know, yeah. if, if they think probably Julian Davenport at left tackle. But how good is Martinez ranking? Yeah, does he beat him out? I mean, it's there's just a big soup. But I I do know this: the level of talent on the whole has been yes. has been upgraded there. It's better. That's exactly. And you're gonna the point. you're gonna shuffle it out, and you'll see from there. That's a great point. And I think because we haven't seen Fulton, Kelamete, Henderson, yeah, Rankin in Texans jerseys and seeing what they're able to do. And we're not going to know. We're not. We're going to see him sure. in OTAs and go, ah, you, whatever. But once they put the pads on, we'll be able to figure out, okay, I think this guy's going to slot here. And look, once we get the OTAs, you start seeing, okay, here's the first offensive line and what, what they think. And then the other thing is Nick. How healthy is Nick Martin? Exactly. Yeah. Is he able to do anything in OTAs? If he isn't, then does Zach, Zach Fulton then play center? You know, and what, what about Questenberry? You know, yeah, what right. about David Questenberry? Where does Kyle Fuller fit into this? A guy that played exactly. some 
third tight end reps or tight end reps last year, did get some time at guard. Where does he fit into all this? So you're, I, I think you're right when you use the term soup. It's more like a booyah base. There's a lot of things in that booyah base. Is booyah base a soup or a stew? I, it's still Is a beef. stew a soup? Is a soup a stew? Yeah. I don't know. I'm just going off the page here. I think a stew is a little bit thicker. I think so, too. Yeah. Well, it's offensive line, so it's got to be a little bit So it's a stew. Bigger. Let's call it a stew. Let's call it a stew. Yeah. I like it. A booyah base. Drew, appreciate point, it, brother. Good point. Always, always, always fun. When we get back, the head coach Lots of your always Houston in there. Texans, Bill O'Brien. He joined us Saturday after the draft is over to give, his, give us his thoughts on the draft process. That and then some with the head coach, Bill O'Brien, next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access this evening. I'm your host, John Harris. We are about to turn it over to head coach, Bill O'Brien. He joined myself, Paul Gallant and Mark Vandermeer. Right after the draft is over, we talked about the picks, the process, and anything else that went into the 2018 NFL draft. There's really no way you can kind of play out the scenarios of what's going to happen to get you to 68. Now, you can if you've got a top 10 pick, maybe even a top 15 pick, but you can't play out the scenarios of what could happen to be prepared for something like that. So at that point, it seems like you just have to trust your board and trust the work you've done at 68. No matter what pops up, if that's our guy at the top, we got to go with him. What was kind of the thought process behind Justin, that first pick? Because we talked about tackle. It could be this guy. It could be that guy. But do you really have to trust your board to that extent because you don't know what's going to happen up to that point that far in the draft? Yeah, I think the, the big thing was after the uh, uh, first and second rounds, you know, you, you, you go in there and you, and you basically re- reset the board. You yeah. Know? So you, you look at it again and – obviously take the guys off that have been drafted and then uh, you see where it's at just like you said and and when we were up for that pick at at uh, 68 Justin Reed was right there at the top and uh we all felt really good about him uh very intelligent player um really good measurables uh 6 foot guy 200 pound guy can really run can help us obviously on defense can help us on special teams and uh, you know, we, we felt really good about that pick, and it was it was really a situation in that particular one where, you know, sometimes you have three or four guys all about even, and then you're you're looking at the value and all those things. But uh, you know, when it's when it's that guy at the top of uh, that round, you know, where you're picking, that was that was kind of a, a one where the board speaks to you. So yep. that that was a that was a really good uh, part of the process. It looks like speed was a priority on offense. You bring in Atkins, you bring in Cutie, and, of course, Thomas there. So that's something you guys are trying to add more to the offense this offseason? Yeah, I think, you know, I think as a team, uh, really with the whole team, Paul, we really thought that, that, that speed was something that we were going to look at. You know, if a, if a guy had a dominant trait of being able to run relative to his position, you know, we felt like that was something that would be definitely part of our evaluation. Now, it doesn't mean that you're just taking a guy just because he runs a sub 4-5 or just because he, he, he's a tight end that runs a sub 4-7 or whatever it is. It, it also has to be the whole body of work of that player and relative to how you're going to use him in your offense or on your defense or, you know, on special teams. But I do think that speed was a priority. We felt like we, we wanted to try to get faster out of the draft as a team, and I think obviously with those offensive picks – you know, Kuti, he's a very, very fast guy. Uh, he's got good quickness, too, but really fast. And then uh, Aikens uh, at that uh, F tight end position, we feel like he's got good speed and good quickness for that position, too. Coach, looking at the highlights from QT, and that's all I've seen so far, but it looks like he can run a lot of the stuff you like to run, the end of rounds and things in the Watson-type offense uh, uh, that you've been running. Give him the Vandermeer official lingo <laughs> what you're I calling call this. The, the fakeroo and the, the flippity-flops. The flippity, I like that term. Yeah. Like, these are football terms, Coach. Yes. So, 32 you know, all that stuff. Yeah. You guys are running all that Harlem Globetrotter <laughs> stuff, and, and he can do that. Yeah, he, no, he was, uh, he was a guy that we spent a lot of time with. You know, We spent a lot of time with him at his school. 
uh, Texas Tech. We spent a lot of time with him here in the building, and, and we felt really good about what he knew, his work ethic, the type of guy he was. We liked what we saw in film. Uh, we tested him on some of the things that we would do with him, and he, and he, and he passed it with flying colors. And, and he was another guy that was sitting there, and there were other guys there, really good players at that. It looked like the bulk of a lot of the good players were in those middle rounds, and so there were some tough decisions. But I really feel like uh, with, with Kiki we've really improved and, and added a, a, an explosiveness and uh, you, know, you know, a speed element to, to our team, and I think that's going to really help us. Coach, what's the most difficult thing about a player – Maybe not making a full transition, but Jordan Thomas played a lot of receiver at Mississippi yeah. State, somewhat out of necessity because they had everybody and their brother go down. But he's playing a lot of receiver. I mean, we're sitting there watching a bowl game, and he's out there catching passes, yeah. running routes. What's the most difficult thing about making a transition to a different position where now he's got to get in there, he's got to block some of these defensive ends you got to yeah. face this year outside linebackers? How tough is that going to be for a guy like Jordan Thomas? Definitely tough, definitely a tough transition. We spent a lot of time with him. We went to Mississippi State. Uh, Mike Devlin went. We, we, we worked out Rankin. We worked out uh, Jordan. Uh, we spent time with those guys. Uh, felt really good about wh- wh- what they were as, as men and, and what they were as uh, their ability to learn and, and then went out on the field and did some things with them. And, and we feel good about where he's at and, and how, uh, you know, basically his upside. You know, can he do these things? What does – is he a heavy-handed player? Can he – do we feel like he can, you know, get his hands on somebody with the proper teaching, the proper steps and footwork and – and really be able to block, and, and so we think, it, look, it's not going to be easy. He's going to have to sure. put a, t- a lot of time into it, but, you know, we felt very, very good about uh, his ability to do that and, and be able to execute some of the things we need to do in the, in the running game. Rankin's listed as a center on the website I'm looking at. He's a guard, a tackle. I know Brian Gain last night said he's an offensive lineman, so yeah. real generic with yeah, it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, he's a guy I'm imagining you're bringing in with all these other players. Uh, only one offensive lineman in the draft. Is that reflective of how you feel about the free agents that you guys brought in? Yeah, we felt like, you know, we added some really good guys in free agency. Um, you know, we feel good about where we are with the line right now. We went into this draft, you know, again, you know, really when it came to all the positions, but, you know, specifically on the offensive line, the best available at that time for us. And versatility is big. So, you, you know, we feel like Rankin can play tackle. We feel like he can play guard. And he did snap some in, in practice when he was there at at Mississippi State, so we feel good about his versatility. You know, maybe he's not the prototypical six foot seven tackle or six foot six tackle, but he does do some really good things at tackle relative to what we do in our offense. You know, some of the pulling and you know pulling out on screens and and pulling on tackle plays and things like that. So we feel we feel good about him. We felt we felt like he was an all day tough player. You know, a guy that was a very tough kid and a smart guy, and uh, we're glad to have him. Coach, we had Callum Bailly on the air. We had Kelly on the air. They talked about visiting. We also talked to Thomas, and you just talked about spending time with him. And that aspect of it, having these guys in for visits, spending time with them, getting to know them, not just at the Combine but wherever else you can, how important is that to the whole process? Yeah, that's vital, Vandy. I mean, I think that, um, you know, that's to me that's always the big difference that I've come to learn, and you're, you're always trying to get better at this process and do your part in the process. and. One of the things that I've learned is you can spend a whole lot more time with these guys in the draft than you do in free agency, you know, and I think that uh, in the draft, you know, you really have a chance to to get to know the person, you know, to really understand, like, how he thinks, what motivates him, you know, where he comes from, family background, some of those things, and then obviously you can work them out, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a big thing, you know, being able to have your coaches there, working the guy out, you know, what type of shape is he in? Can he learn? If I teach him this very quickly, is he able to execute those steps and execute, 
you know, what we're asking to do at that position, you, you know, on the field, even though it's, you know, just a workout. It's not in pads or anything like that, but it's a, it's a workout. And I think that's a big part of the draft that, that our coaches uh, do a really good job with. Obi, building off of that, the opportunity to go to Mobile with yeah. Jordan Akins, mm-hmm. you, you draft him. How valuable was that? Because that goes to another degree. That's how is he in meetings? How does he take your teaching on the practice field? Right. How important was that aspect? And I know you've said, and none of us want to see you ever coach in the Senior Bowl again, right. but how important was that to the process in for him, considering you guys worked that week with him? That was big. That was why, you know, when the NFL called us and said, hey, would you like to do it? I mean, we, we didn't have to do the Senior Bowl, but when they said, you know, would you like to do it? We said, you know what, that's a great opportunity for us. You know, another another opportunity to go be around these guys, like I was saying to Vandy, but even more than that, actually yeah. coaching football. You know, here's our scheme. All right, now here it is in the meeting. Let's go out in a walkthrough. Let's do it there, and then let's put it to work and practice. And, you know, we had a lot of these guys that we looked at in the draft at the Senior Bowl, and I think that really helped us. Aikens is obviously a great example because we drafted him. You know, we felt like, hey, look, this guy can do some of the things we're going to ask that position to do, and he got better and better at it during the week, caught a touchdown pass in the game, and, and uh, you know, we feel good about that. And I think that, uh, you know, being at the Senior Bowl with the guy really helped us. Some of the enthusiasm these guys that we've had on the air has been really fun to listen to, in particular Jermaine Kelly, who came on at the very end. He was—he seemed like he was ready to run from – where was he in San Jose? Run all the way from somewhere San Jose. Right? Coast, yeah, yeah, somewhere on the West Coast. He said he was outside. It was cold and all that. Uh, so I'm imagining when you guys sit down with these players, that's the thing that you're looking for. Is this guy football crazy? Is he a bit of a football psycho yeah. of sorts? That's big, Paul. I mean, I think they have to have a love and a passion for the game, and you can really – you know, you can really sense that when you talk to them. You know, like if they don't have a passion for it, it's it's a very dull conversation. But if they have it, now they don't have to be, you know, jumping up and down doing handstands in front of you. But, you know, they, they really enjoy talking about the game and what they did in college. And Kelly's a guy that, uh, you know, Brad Seeley felt very good about relative to special teams. And uh, Anthony Midget felt good about his ability to develop as a corner. And, and he had really good speed, good size. And he had a passion for the game, and we feel we feel like he's a he's a good addition to our team too. Tell us about the process now in getting these guys acclimated because they're rookies, they're <laughs> drafted, everybody's happy, and now they got to get into the building. You got to put them to work. You know, in some ways, the draft is probably three of the most overhyped days. You know, in 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 sports, you know, no. it, it is what it is. You know, it's but it is a great. You know, I understand it for the fans, mm-hmm. and I think it is great when you add, you know, you add eight players to to your organization. I mean, that's a very exciting thing. Like, don't get me wrong, but again there's so much work ahead of these guys. And right. I think that's when, when they enter the building, it's right away setting the expectations of what we're all about. You know, you know, simple things like being on time, taking care of your body in the weight room in the uh, cafeteria. Now, you know, we have a new, new uh, sports performance coach. We've got a new nutritionist. We've got a lot of uh, people around the building. Now, a lot of resources. We've got a team counselor. We've got JJ Moses here. Now we've got a lot of people to help these guys. And then, you know, obviously our expectations for them as players and what we're trying to do as a team, you know, being a good teammate, understanding your role, all those things. You know, you start really talking to these guys about that when they when they come here for, you know, for rookie minicamp, which I think is like May 10th or whatever. So it's a fun time, though, because it's a really a team-building time. And, you know, they'll go through their ups and downs early on. You know, they'll go through some tough days. But if they can just keep kind of grinding and, and climbing the wall, you know, they'll, they'll be putting one foot in front of the other, taking one day at a time, they'll, they'll be all right. How I don't want to use the word frustrated because I don't think you're frustrated, but was Thursday sort of a surreal night to not have a pick? I mean, we all know why you didn't have a pick, but was it kind of weird to sit there and go, we're not really 
doing anything tonight? We can kind of watch it. Like, what did you do on Thursday night? What was going on? Were you just kind of watching, taking guys off the board, kind of playing things out, talking about what was going on? What were we kind of doing on Thursday night? Yeah, I mean, it's a little different that, you know, first time for, for me being here that we didn't have a first-round pick. But, you know, Deshaun Watson was our first-round sure. pick. You know, so I think the biggest thing for us, Johnny, that I always tell, and you, you, I've said this to you a lot of times before, it's really important for us to see who is who is getting picked and which yeah. teams are picking them. And, right. You know, mm-hmm. relative to our division and relative to the AFC and things like that, like what are, are our future opponents? Like who, who is who are they picking and how do we think they're going to use these guys? That's yeah. that's where you put a lot of thought into to that and really pay attention to it. And then obviously, you know, like I said before, you know, it's a part of resetting the yep. board. Okay, these guys are off. Okay, they're they're gone. They're on other teams now. We we have to focus on the second round. We're not there either. But. You know, we, we kept resetting it and talking about how these different teams would use these players in our minds. You got a lot of guys on the offensive line, a lot of guys at tight end right now, and obviously some changes yeah. can happen. And at the defensive backs, I imagine going into training camp and seeing all these guys competing against one another, you're looking forward to that. But I, at the same time, giving reps out to all those guys too, is, is that going to be difficult to determine? It, it always is tough. I mean, we have to get to a 90-man roster at some point after rookie minicamp. We have to get down to a 90-man roster, and I think that's always a tough uh, assignment for for Brian and I, you know, that's where we're, we're trying to predict the future of some of these guys. Uh, you know, obviously, maybe there's some guys that we've worked with that maybe you know we would have to move on from to get to that 90. That's always tough, but uh, you know, when you think about the reps, you really have to be precise about how you're using the guy, how many reps he's getting, and you you, you can never really have a wasted rep. You know, you can't take a guy that you had a vision for and start using them somewhere else right away. I mean, that's not the route you want to go. So you, you spend a lot of man hours with the coaching staff on, hey, look, this is how many plays we're going to have in this OTA. This is how we're using this guy. Let's get him in here for these two or three plays in this period, these two or three plays in this other period. And, and that takes a lot of time, but it's fun. You know, it's all part of that team building and trying to evaluate how you would use these guys and having a vision for it before you even start is important. One more for you, Coach, and maybe double-edged question here because – you have the draft right in the middle of off-season conditioning, and you mentioned some of the changes here in the building, and they're big changes with the Sports Performance Center and everything like that, and the draft, and you're getting everybody up to speed for OTAs. So what's it all been like for you so far? It's a little different this year with Brian Gain and the whole thing. It's been great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I think you guys probably feel a different energy in this building. You, you know, we feel good about where we're at. We've had 100% attendance at the off-season program so far, which is really good. Um uh, not sure how many teams can say that. You know, I know it's a voluntary program, but our guys are here. They're they're working out, and primarily the the time right now for our veteran players, it's really about the sports performance program, the nutrition program, the the program in the training room, really taking care of their bodies and learning how how we're doing that in a different way. That's really what it is. And then we do a little bit of football. We'll increase that a little bit the next three weeks with some work on the field, but it's still more about Luke and his crew, and then. You know, lad in the cafeteria, cap in the training room. It's really about that. And then when OTAs hits the last four weeks, that's when we'll we'll take over a little bit more football. And then that'll be a little bit, you know, the sports performance end of it will be a little bit less. But I think the first two weeks have been very, very good. The guys are very excited about what we're trying to do and the vision that we have for, you know, helping them be at, a, at, at their peak, you know, when we open the season. Are the coaches on the nutrition program too? Well, I can only speak for myself. Mm. You know, I've, uh, <laughs> I've tried to I've tried to take the uh, lessons that Lad has taught me because when mm-hmm. he first got here, he looked at me and said, "You got you got major problems here, coach." We oh gotta boy, <laughs> we got to help you out. So, no, it, it's it's been good, you know. And I think even for for the people in the building, yes. they can see the difference. And I think mm-hmm. it's uh, 
it's been really good, and it's been really a team effort here. You know, you're, you're talking about everybody from the, the people that cook the meals, um, you know, to, to all around. You know, I just think it's been it's been a team effort to really uh, change the vision of certain things that we're doing. Coach O'Brien with a little self-deprecating attitude there at the end, talking about nutrition. Obviously, a new thing going on here with the Texans, a lot of changes in-house to nutrition, the Sports Performance Center, etc. And hopefully that's going to pay off in more wins for this team going forward, not just 2018, but in the future as well. Big thanks to Drew for stopping by, to Mark and Paul and Sean and Mike Meltzer and Andre Ware and everybody that contributed this weekend for the draft. It was a blast. I appreciate Mark for letting me do my thing on the draft. Tomorrow we will be live at Fuddruckers, 59 and Wesleyan. Come on, check us out. Myself and DPC will be over there. So if you want to come and hang out with us, have a burger, sit down and talk some ball, we will do that. I'm sure we'll talk about the draft. We'll also hear from Deshaun Watson tomorrow. He sat down with Drew Doherty and recounted some of his memories from the 2017 draft. So a lot going on tomorrow. Appreciate you guys listening. We'll see you then. And as always, go Texans.